Well, we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, on the way to church this morning, I was talking to the kids and and said, today we're going to be looking at a a verse of Scripture that I'm sure you've probably recently memorized in Awana. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And and as we come to these very familiar uh, verses for many of us, I just want to draw your attention to the, to the unfortunate reality that I think we would all agree with. Life is full of twists and turns, right? Ups and downs, excitement and sorrow, joy mixed with fear. I, I think we, we've all come to the reality Uh, Some of us in smaller ways and some of us in larger ways that what is true one day can easily be undone the next. The unforeseen often takes us completely off guard. Now, lest you're thinking in your mind and 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 you say to yourself, yeah, I can't really figure out any examples of that in my own life. Uh, need I say one word, 2020. 2020 has been a crazy year. It, it, has, it has thrown us uh, for, for more loops than we'd like to say. Living in a broken world, living in a sin-cursed world, really does showcase for us the fragility of life. It showcases for us how quickly things can go wrong. The reality of this truth, it really begs the question that we have to ask ourselves and and, and is um, the theme uh, of what we're looking at this morning. Where can I turn for confidence in this life? We are all looking as, as humans for a source of security and a source of comfort. But where do we run to find it? Do we run to resources? Whether that be money, whether that be objects, whether that be prestige, whether that be running to other people that we think can solve our solutions. Many times we run to escapes because we know that we uh, cannot find that sense of security uh, in our resources and in people. So we look for escapes to give us relief from the pressures of living in a sin-cursed world. Maybe we run to hobbies. Maybe we run to our sheds, our garages. Maybe uh, individuals uh, uh, run to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography, to all of these things as an escape to try to find some sort of confidence of reprieve in life. Many times we go to professionals and turn our confidence to professionals, uh, to authors, to doctors, to politicians, to counselors, uh, and while, while uh, none of those individuals are, are bad things, they often take the place of the one true source of confidence. And 
many of us, I would dare say all of us, we turn to self, self-reliance. I'm enough. I will get through this. I will do this. We try to fool ourselves into thinking that we are enough. The problem is, we are sinners living in a sin-cursed world. We are not enough. Funny uh, example of self-reliance that I uh, came across this, this past week. I want to read it to you. Uh, this individual says, We try to hide our lack of wisdom. Like the man who bought a yacht. His wife was nervous because he had no experience in sailing. But he knew he could handle it, and so for weeks he practiced in the harbor before taking it out to sea. Finally, he talked his nervous wife into going on the yacht with him. Gingerly, she stepped aboard. Out into the harbor they headed, and he tried to put her at ease. He said, honey, look, I practiced enough in this harbor to know where every rock, every reef, every sandbar is. At that very moment, a huge hidden rock beneath the surface made a large crunching sound from stem to stern. There, he said with a sheepish grin, is one of them going by now. <laughs> no matter what amount of self-confidence or self-reliance we have, that foundation will be shaken, similar to this guy with his new yacht. I wonder how long that it will take us to realize that confidence only comes from and is found in the Lord. You see, we need this simple yet profound reminder daily, and that's why we're going to look this morning at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And here's the, here's the theme key sentence um, that, 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 that is the sentence to remember. Let's say it out loud. This is, this is what we find in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's say it together. I have only one source for confidence in this life, and it is enough. And who is that source? That source is found in the Lord. Let's say it again, and let's say it more confidently, okay? I have only one source for confidence in this life, and it is enough. And this morning, I am going to pose to you Three questions that each of us must ask ourselves in order to come to not make Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 just a verse that we've memorized or that we have hanging on our wall in our house or that we have highlighted in our Bible, but to make Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 a reality in our hearts and in our minds. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord's blessing to speak through his word. Lord, I pray this morning. Father, if you asked the hundred or however many so people in this auditorium, 
what trials and what difficulties they are going through. Lord, there would be many common answers, but there would also be many uh, answers of unique situations that each person here is going through. But Lord, no matter how unique our circumstance that, uh, that we feel that it is, the answer is the same, that you are our confidence. Father, would you make what in, in many of our minds this morning is such a familiar passage of Scripture, would you make this a living reality in our lives? Would you speak through your word, not, not through individual things I may say, but Lord, speak through your word. And Father, draw our hearts to Yourself once again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's read Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Question number one that we have to ask ourselves in, in, in being able to personalize this, these two verses is this, who has my confidence? Who has my confidence? Where you are sitting right now and without trying to put on the masks and without trying to sound super spiritual, Ask your, answer this question in your mind, in all honesty, who has my confidence? Because it is not our default to turn our confidence over to the Lord. It is our default to keep our confidence for ourselves in whatever it is we can touch, feel, see. As we break apart this, these verses, the first phrase there says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is a clear-cut command. I mean, you can't really twist this one up, can you? Trust in the Lord. It, 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 it seems on the, uh, on the outside to be fairly simple. Psalm 20 in verse 7, David writes, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, it was the, the tendency of the nations at the time that David writes this psalm that a nation's confidence would be in the amount of chariots and horses that that kingdom had because that determined the kingdom's strength. God tells Israel before he ever uh, even makes them officially into a nation in their own land, he says, do not put your trust in chariots and horses. I am to be your trust. As my people, you are to think differently than the nations. Listen, as God's
people today, we are to think differently than those who do not claim Christ as Savior. We are to think differently than those who do not follow God. The tendency of this world culture is to not place our trust in a Savior that we cannot see with our eyes. You see, what is a clear-cut command is not always easy But listen, mark this down. What is clear in the Bible is always trustworthy. It may not be easy for us to turn from self-reliance and look to God, but what the Bible makes clear is that God is trustworthy. He has shown us just how trustworthy He is because He sent His Son to rescue us, and to be sufficient for us in our lives. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 26 and verses 3 and 4, Isaiah says to his people, everything seems hopeless. Israel has turned from God, and Isaiah says God is going to do a work. And he says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Why? For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You see, what is to guard our hearts and minds? It is the source of where we're putting our trust. Sometimes we wonder, why does it seem... That, I'm, that my mind is going in a million different directions and I'm seeking peace and I can't find it, it is, maybe it's because our heart is plugged into the wrong source. The only way our mind can be stayed on God is because we trust in Him. And, and, and that turning from self and turning to, 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 to Christ turning to God as as sufficient, it is an everyday thing. It is a moment-by-moment thing where we're continually turning our attention and, and placing our trust in Him. You see, the end of Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, it says, the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That is His character. A rock, something that is established, firm, cannot be broken. A rock stands the test of time. And as we read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we see time and time again, God's people have put their trust in Him, and He has proven Himself a sturdy foundation the rock. We also see time and time again where God's people have placed their, their trust in other nations and other things, and every time those things have failed them. You see, Proverbs 3 says, uh, verse 5 says, uh, Trust in the Lord 
Who is that rock? It is the Lord. Uh, that word Lord, it's, it's all caps, uh, all capitalization, uh, uh, capitalized letters in your Bible. And the reason for that is it is God's covenant name, Yahweh. It is the God who's true to his character, is true to his covenant promises from his people from the beginning to the end. And this is the one you can place your trust in. The, this verse is not saying the idea, hey, I know a guy who. We've all had that, right? I mean, you face mechanical problems. Hey, I know, I know a guy who can fix that for you. You have a house problem and, and you can't fix it, which, which I find as a, a new homeowner is 99% of the house issues I come across. And it's, okay, who, who do I know that can give me some input, some help here? This is not, I know a guy who. You see, what the Bible is saying, what Solomon is saying as he writes this proverb, I know a Savior who. This is personal. He is trustworthy. You see, it's hard to trust someone that you don't experientially know. I mean, even, even when we get the suggestions, hey, I know a guy who can fix that for you. Hey, I know a guy you can go to for that. Why do you know a guy who? Because you've experientially seen him at work. There's an experiential relationship there. And it's the same thing in our Christian life with the Lord. Why do we trust in the Lord? Because we have found him tried and true. He is indeed that rock. Why do we have trouble trusting in God? Maybe it's because we experientially are not walking with him in the way we should. Because as we progress and as we are walking forward in this Christian life with all the twists and turns and ups and downs, when we look to God, we find Him time and again true. And you know what? If the Lord has seen me through this last thing, He's going to see me through this one. You see, many times, like, like all of us in our culture the whole mentality is kind of a microwave culture. Let's put it in the microwave, and in three minutes, let's be done with it, and let's enjoy it. And we, we carry that over to our spiritual life. Hey, you know what? I want to have the blessings of, of peace of mind, of a settled heart, of a mind that's fixed on God, but yet we're not willing to go through the process it takes to get there. That's why Paul says, I have learned in all things to be content. Why? Because God took him through difficulty and proved himself true. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a clear-cut command to trust in the Lord. But it's also an undivided command. It says, with all your heart, doesn't say with half your heart, a quarter of your heart, three-fourths of your heart, with all your heart. 
And in the, in the, in the, in the Bible, when, when, we, when we read that word heart, it, it, it refers to the whole of, of our inner selves. It refers to our whole person, our mind, our emotions, our will. We are to put our trust in Him with all of those. I mean, the theme of the Old Testament is God's people must have an undivided trust and allegiance to God. What did Israel struggle with as we read through 1st and 2nd Kings? It was, an, uh, it was a divided allegiance. Yeah, maybe we'll worship God, but along with God, we're going to worship all these pagan gods. And that's why Isaiah is continually and Jeremiah are continually calling the people, put your trust in God and Him alone. You see, we can't trust in the Lord with all our heart when we are relying on lesser things to give us confidence. I like what one individual says regarding this verse, uh, this phrase, this uh, sentence, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He says, the commitment of the heart to God means that all the beliefs and decisions of life are submitted to Yahweh. Our beliefs, our way of thinking, the decisions that we make, we are looking to the Lord, we are submitting ourselves to the Lord. You see, I think a sign of a divided heart is when we don't really want to trust in the Lord because we fear the Lord that he may work something out or call us to do something that we really don't want to do or we really don't want to have that kind of solution. Kind of the idea of the guy that throws the stick up in the air and he says, if the stick points that way, I know it's God's will that I do this. And he already wants to do that or she already wants to do that. So by about the ninth time he throws out the stick, it points that way. Ah, God showed me. That's, an undiv- that, that, that's a divided heart. Trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, our, our mind, our emotion, our will, means that we are trusting the Lord both for his daily provision and sustenance, and we are trusting him with the end result as well. And we are willing to go where he leads us, even if that path is not the easy one. So can I ask you this morning, who has your confidence? But I want to ask you a second question. A second question that we must each ask ourselves, and it is this. What perceptions do I perceive as reality? We all have perceptions in our mind. And here's the things with with perceptions or our own thinking. We start to make a reality of whatever it is we are thinking, whether those thoughts are true or not. Have you ever been confronted with that? 
that regardless of whether the things that I'm thinking are true, they become true in my mind because I'm thinking of them and I am not allowing any other truth to enter into my mind to counteract the false perceptions that I have. That's why the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Because left to myself, I am going to come up with perceptions that aren't true, that aren't biblical, that aren't godly. And I need other Christians to help me balance that with my own thoughts. It's never wise to make a decision just within yourself. If God is leading you to a decision that you feel in your heart, you know what the next step really is? To go to godly individuals and say, you know what? The Lord seems to be leading me or leading my family or whatever the case may be in this. What do you think about this? God confirms his will, not just in in putting something on our heart, but in confirming it through his people. So we can perceive a reality that is not even a reality. And that's why Proverbs 3, 5, the next phrase, trust in the Lord with all your heart, but what does the next phrase say? And do not lean on your own understanding. This is a continual temptation for all of us. What is our default to lean on ourselves, our own perceptions, our own insights? This word lean in the Old Testament, it speaks of of either a physical leaning or a leaning of trust. And the two really do go hand in hand. Uh, So if I'm leaning on on this stand to support me, if I was really in trouble physically, this would not be a good source of of confidence, would it? I would fall right over. So the source of our leaning makes all the difference because we we all need to lean on something. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, I believe it's uh, the book of Jeremiah. Don't quote me on that, but uh, the the prophet makes a, a really interesting uh, analogy to the people. He said, hey, you guys are trusting uh, in, in a foreign nation and not the Lord. And that foreign nation, it's going to be like a, a stick that you are leaning on and it's going to break. And not only is it going to break, it's going to pierce your hand because you have chosen the wrong source to lean on. And man, we're leaning on all the wrong types of sticks and canes and whatever else you want, analogy you want to make all the time. There's two wrongs, specifically two wrong sources to lean on. We see this in the word lean not on your own, specifically here, understanding. What is, what, what is involved in this word understanding? It's in, it means our own perceptions, our own discernment, our own way of thinking. 
So two wrong sources to lean on is, number one, our own perceptions, our own discernment, our own way of thinking. Now, God's given us each a, a mind to think. So, of course, we use our mind. We, we do discern things, and, and, and we, we, we seek to understand things. But because even our minds, our whole body, everything has been affected by the fall, we cannot trust that as as infallible as perfect and what happens in situations when we are not surrounding ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ is we lean on our own perceptions our own discernment our own way of thinking and before you know it we are so far off the path of truth that we don't know where to go but a second source of that's a wrong source to lean on is not only our own perceptions, our own discernment, our own way of thinking, but culture's way of thinking, culture's discernment, culture's insights. We live in this culture, and unless we are filling our minds with God's Word, unless we are, are, are being, seeking to be faithful, to be connected to God's people, we are going to not be able to counteract culture's ways of thinking with what the Bible says. I use this analogy all the time because it's so true. If you want to know what water is, do not ask a fish. Why? Because a fish lives in the water. It's all it knows. It is his surrounding. And they can't talk. This is our culture, we, we, our workplaces, the, 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 the things on TV, the songs on the radio, all of it is a cultural message that nine times out of ten contradicts God's word. And left to ourselves, our own understanding, we go contrary to the wisdom of Christ. This is a continual temptation, but the good news is, is there's a constant remedy. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Earlier, we looked at the passage in, in uh, Isaiah that referred to the Lord as a rock. Now we see another word picture of, of the faithfulness and the confidence we can have in God. He is a strong tower. Imagine uh, you're, you're, at, you're, at the, the, you're at the coast of the sea. And, and a storm is brewing, and it's a horrible tempest, and you are running to get out of that storm, and there is the strong tower, the lighthouse, to run into and to be safe from the storm. That's the idea here. It doesn't mean that that storm is just going to disappear, Trusting in God doesn't mean that our problems just dissipate. 
It doesn't mean that we uh, don't do anything. We just sit there and twiddle our thumbs. No, but it means that our perspective is now different because we realize that we are under the safety of God and we can be confident in our trust in Him that we will be safe. This is the remedy to leaning on our own understanding. But also a needful reminder that we have this morning is if we want Proverbs 3, 5 to trust in the Lord with with all of our inner person, to not be leaning on the wrong things, our own understanding, but to be looking to Christ... then we are going to have to preach the gospel to ourselves. We are going to have to be able to preach the word of God to ourselves. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher, said this, We must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. I don't know about you, but I can so much identify with that statement in the negative. I mean, how many a countless night can I I recall thinking of of issues and difficulties that that I'm working through and, 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 and everything's flooding through my mind and what happens is I allow, rather than talking to ourself, to myself, in the hope of Scripture, I talk to myself. We allow ourselves to talk to us. And what that conversation involves is worry, trying to figure it out, trying to have all the answers, trying to blame God for the difficulty we're encountering, and if God was faithful, then he would have done this and this and this. That's all talking to yourself in the wrong way. But allowing the scriptures to talk to us is what we read in Psalm 42.5. David says all of the difficulties that he's going through. His enemies are, 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 are seeking him. Uh, he, he's experiencing all kinds of trouble. And what does he say? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Why? Because he's my salvation. Are you talking to yourself in the context of Scripture? Or are you allowing yourself in your own flesh to talk to yourself? Woe is me. What am I going to do all of the frets of life? But quickly, as we, as we move on, I just have two more questions. Not only who has my confidence, what perceptions do I perceive as reality, but, but quickly as we close, I have two more questions. Number three, 
we must each ask ourselves, am I limiting God? Am I limiting God? The first phrase of verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him. We see here from the beginning of verse 6 the call to acknowledge God. This is more than just mental assent. In other words, this is more than just uh, speaking with your mind, okay, I need to acknowledge God in this situation. This word acknowledge is, is a very simple word. It literally just simply means to know. In all your ways, know God. It is talking about a knowledge of God through experience. So in other words, this command, this call, in all your ways to acknowledge Him, it means having an outward and an upward look. It means that we must be looking outside of ourselves and looking to God. It means that in every situation that we are experiencing, the good and the bad, no matter how high the high is or how low the low is, that we are looking, how can I know God more through this? What is God trying to teach me in this? I want to acknowledge God in this difficulty and realize that he is trying to show himself to me. It's the attitude that Paul had in Philippians 3, verses 8 to 11, when he talks about all of the difficulty that he experienced and also who he was, that that if anybody had reason to boast, it was him. He was a respected Pharisee. And he said, man, I count all of this as rubbish, as nothing, in order to gain Christ. And he says that, and his goal was that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. So when push comes to shove, am I limiting God Because I have a set solution that I see to my difficulty of the way things should be. And if God decides to work any other way, then that's just not enough for me. In all of life, our goal as followers of Jesus is would you show me more of yourself through this? Because only in Christ will I experience the fullness of life. The fullness of what it means to be content. The fullness of what it means to be at peace. The fullness of what it means to love other people more than myself. The fullness to offer forgiveness even when forgiveness is not asked. The fullness to stand for truth. The fullness to to be able, though imperfectly, to be able to share my faith. Only in knowing more of Christ are those things possible. 
So maybe the solutions that we are looking at for our difficulty and the way we are, our perspective of going about thinking of them is actually limiting what God's wanting to accomplish in your life. You see, the extent of our knowing God, of acknowledging God in our lives, what does the text say? In all your ways. There's no exception clause. You can't say, in everything but this, because this thing seems really bad. In everything but this, because man, you don't know about this. In anything but this, because wow, this is just too much. In all your ways. That word ways uh, could also be translated in all the roads that you take. In all the paths of life. It's referring here in context to the life journey that you are on. No matter where that life journey takes you, in those ways is where you are to trust in the Lord and seek to know him more. Final question. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Am I willing to walk by faith in God's wisdom? What does the end of verse 6 say? When we are trusting in the Lord with all our heart, not leaning on our own understanding, and all our ways acknowledging him, what does it say? He will make straight your paths. Am I willing to walk in God's wisdom? There's two promises we can trust here. First of all, God always leads his people. Remember, what may not look straight to us can look straight to God. It probably didn't make much sense to Joshua and the, the leaders of Israel, rather than just the Lord saying, take the city, I'm giving it to you, probably looked a little weird for them and felt a little weird for them to march around the walls for seven days. There's a, an incessant fly up here, so um, if you wonder why I'm waving my hand. Psalm 5, 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Again, we see this heart of dependence on God, that God, I want to walk according to your wisdom and not my own. In fact, according to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is, through its entirety, is contrasting the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man is foolish. The wisdom of God provides a foundation that will never crumble. When it says here, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths, it is acknowledging the will and the wisdom of God, not our own. That the person that does that, God will lead them. 
So God always leads his people, number one. Number two, the way or the path of God is firmly established. We need not look for another way. As I said earlier, we read throughout the Bible and we continue to read uh, past the time of when the scripture was written, God's people who have put their trust in him, who have sought his wisdom, God has led them and he has not abandoned any, even when from a worldly perspective things would seem as loss. Remember the missionary Jim Elliott who went to the Alka Indians, a, a, a tribal group that had never been reached with the gospel, very violent group? In the world's eyes, it seemed like a failure. They were all speared through and killed. But Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Then... As the story goes, the wives of those martyred missionaries continued their ministry and those very Indians that killed the missionaries were brought to Christ. The path of God is firmly established. You are not the first one on the path. When you're on a rickety old bridge, you never want to go first, right? What if it falls in on you? You want the other guy to go first so that you can be assured that that bridge is safe. Well, the Bible is a tested and tried book. God is a tested and tried rock and strong tower. You can trust him like countless others have. You see, we can Because we know the path of God is firmly established, number one, we need not look for another path. We can trust the one that God has us on. Number two, we can be content in the path of God for our lives. We don't have to wish we were on the other guy's path. Oh, if only I was, if only I had his job, if only I had his finances, if only I, if only I was married like her, or if only this, if only that. No, we can be content in the path God has for our lives. Truth number three, because the path of God is firmly established, we can walk on in faith knowing that the easier road is not the better road. And as Christians, we know what path God has called us on. Uh, We don't have to question it. God has called us on the pathway of following Christ as his disciples. When we truly seek God, we will see that God makes straight the paths before us doesn't mean we're going to have all the answers. It doesn't mean the, the struggle's going to disappear. It doesn't mean that we're just going to all of a sudden at the snap of a finger just find peace and contentment. What it does mean is that we are going to grow in our deepening of our relationship with God himself, and he will prove himself true to us. So as we close, we want to say one more time together the theme of this morning Ready? Let's read it together. I have only one source for confidence in this life, and it is enough.